There we go. Let's see how much wind noise I can pick up with my recording. Uh, kids, I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. Imagine that right now somebody was to give you something that you have been looking, you've been wanting for a really long time. Somebody very nice comes up to you and they give you that toy that you really wanted. Perhaps it's a book that you really wanted or some clothes that you have, have you, you've really wanted. Imagine that person gave you that thing that you have desired for a long time. And then imagine the next day you meet your friends and your friends start to congratulate you and say, hey, that's great, well done. It's, it's wonderful that you have this thing that you've always wanted. What, what would you do in that moment? Because the temptation might be to, you know, go, oh, wow, look at me, I'm so good because of what I've got. But the thing is, you weren't the one who got it. It was a gift. It was given to you. And so even though it is a wonderful and good thing that you might have received, you can't take credit for it. You've got to give credit to the person who gave it to you. You can't say, thank you, really. You've got to say, let's give thanks to the person who gave us the gift. And you know what? That's what we're doing here this morning. We're not trying to take credit for anything. What we're trying to do is to say thank you to God for the gifts that he has given us through his church over the years. We look around and we see many blessings. We look around and see many blessings that God has given us as a church and as individuals. But we can't take credit for us. We look to God and we thank him. We point people back to him as the provider. And over all things that we are thankful for, as Simone prayed and, and as Johnny prayed as well, um, we are thankful for what... Um, we are thankful for our salvation that we've received in Jesus Christ. This is the best and greatest gift that we could ever get. And so we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 12 and look at the great gift that God's people have received. The first thing that we see when we go back to Isaiah chapter 12 is that God's anger is turned away. That's the first point. God's anger is turned away. The passage we're looking at today, this Isaiah chapter 12, is a capstone of a whole bunch of things that Isaiah has said in the previous chapters. In some sense, it's like uh, a pause, a moment, after Isaiah has laid out a whole bunch of information for the people of Israel. And then in the middle of that is chapter 12, this wonderful praise song, this wonderful moment of thankfulness and giving glory to God, capping off the chapters that have come before. But the thing is, the chapters that had come before weren't all good news. There was a lot of bad stuff in there that was coming for God's people. The prophet Isaiah had pronounced grave judgment on God's people. Why? Because of their disobedience. God had saved his people. He'd rescued them. He'd provided for them. He gave them a special place to live. He entered into a covenant with them and said, look, I'm going to be your God. You'll be my people and, we'll, and you, you worship me and I will bless you. But God's people rebelled, and they rebelled at every step of the way. If you've been with us uh, recently, as we've been working our way through Judges, you would see how, how regularly God's people would turn their back on him. God is patient and long-suffering, but eventually he would bring his judgment against people, his people. But God would not abandon his people. It was not a full and final everlasting judgment against his people. He loves his people and he rescues them. He will not utterly reject them. 
And that's what Isaiah has been telling us about. The judgment is coming, but God will not utterly reject his people. And so Isaiah looks forward to a future in Isaiah chapter 12. He looks forward to the future for the people of God, that there would come a time when there would be great celebration and thankfulness to God, even though the exile was ahead for the people of Israel, in Judah and Israel. Even though their exile and the suffering and the consequences of their actions was ahead of them, Isaiah saw a day when they would stand up and praise God in thankfulness for what God had done to save them. In that day, God's people would respond to what God had done with thankfulness in their heart. And beloved, I want to tell you that today is one of those days. Today is that day, and not in the sense that it all came to fruition right now, but in the sense that we live in the aftermath of what Jesus did. We live in the day after Jesus brought his salvation to the earth. And right now we celebrate and thank him and praise him for that salvation that he's brought to his people. And we do that, we can do that with the words of the song in, in Isaiah chapter 12. From verse 1 it says, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. We give thanks to God because his anger is turned away from his people. And this is great news for God's people. But we have to ask, first of all, I guess, why would God be angry? Why would God be angry with his people? Well, it's because of what I mentioned before. It was because of the people of God continually rebelling against him. Because they had sinned against him. Because they had done what was evil in his sight. They had rejected him. They'd done things like, uh, said one thing with their mouth, but then had gone and done something different. God's people can be hypocrites. And so God's righteous anger was revealed. And not in the sense of anger like we get angry, like things don't go away and so we get a little bit irritated. We, this is a righteous, holy anger, a justified anger, a, a divine anger that is pure and right and good in every aspect. God has every right to be angry because all of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory and rebelled against him, just like Israel of old. I don't know if you've considered this, but if you think about the evil in the world, a lot of the time we like to sit back and go, well, I'm glad I'm not like that. We look at the bad examples, but perhaps we need to change our attitude and think of it from a different perspective and think that the wrong that I have done has contributed to the evil in the world. We are, have all contributed to the evil that is in the world today. And so God can justly be angry towards those who have contributed to the, to the, to the wickedness of the world. But Isaiah foresees the day when God's anger is turned away, when we have received comfort from God because he takes away his anger for his people. He deals with it. It's dealt with because Jesus came to take away the wrath of God for his people. For God has not destined his people for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. That's a passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. God made a way to deal with this perfect justice, uh, this, uh, his, his anger, with perfect justice. He would not utterly destroy his people. And so the God of perfect love and perfect justice sent Jesus to take away God's wrath, take away the guilt that we have before God, everything that separates us between God. 
I wonder which one among you would voluntarily enter into a long-term intimate friendship with somebody who was a liar, a cheat, an adulterer, a gossip, and a thief. Would you, if you knew that that was the character of a person, would you willingly enter into a good friendship with them? I think you'd probably want to stand clear. And yet God wants to enter into a deep friendship with his people, knowing that they are thieves and hypocrites and cheats and liars and adulterers. He wants to rescue his people, but he needs to deal with all the stuff that would cause disunity in our relationship, that would cause us to be split off from the Lord. He knew that we needed rescue from outside ourselves because try as we might, we can't overcome all the evil that is in the heart of the human race. But in Jesus, the wrath is turned away. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life and whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Or to put it another way, the only way to escape the wrath of God, the justified wrath of God, is in Jesus. That is where his anger is turned away. And we can be comforted by that. We can be comforted by that, that the Lord has become our salvation, which is the next point. The Lord has become our salvation. If you were to watch a movie or read a book with a great hero in it, like you know, maybe like a superhero, a Superman type figure, you know, or maybe in an action movie, you know, the, the guy um, who can do everything and save everyone. You know, that person is, could be rightly considered as a saviour, a saviour of some people who needed a salvation. And you might push the, the idea and you might say that that person is their salvation. Because if it wasn't for that person in, the, in this imagined story, then, then the people wouldn't be saved. But there is... Our God is our salvation. Our God is our rescue. And not just in the sense that he embodies our salvation, but he is the thing that we are saved for and to and through. Everything comes back to our Lord and our Savior. He is our salvation. We're not just saved and set free to kind of go about our business, like in a story of, of an action hero or a superman. Here, I'll save you from the burning building. Now, off you go and do your thing. No, we're, we're saved into Christ. We're saved into God. We're saved in him and with him. or We're put with him. We're saved for him and for his glory. He is the rescue we need, a rescue from a world that is apart from God. And it says it in, in Isaiah chapter 2 to 3, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid for the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So my encouragement to you is to trust the one who has saved you as the song sings. He has a proven track record of saving people and helping them and delivering them. So trust him. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the world and what the world can do to us or what the world might say of us. God has a proven track record of saving and protecting his people. And even if it looks like things are falling apart in this world, we have to have the long view in mind. We have to have the long view in mind. Imagine if the Allies, when they started uh, prosecuting World War II, imagine if when they first suffered defeat, if they gave up and went home. How would, how would have that helped? But sometimes we look at the world and we see what look like defeats and we start to think we're losing the battle. 
But when you look back at the history of World War II, you can see over the long term, even though there were some small apparent defeats, it all culminated in a giant victory. And the same thing goes for God and his people in this world. Sometimes it looks like Satan's having his way. Sometimes it looks like things are going uh, for him and against God's people. But we need to have the long view, a view that sees how God has won the battles before, is winning the battles now, and even though our personal experiences might be in some of the battles that feel like they're losing, God will have the great victory in the end. He is our salvation. We will trust him. He is our strength. We don't need to be afraid. In a real sense, the Lord has become our salvation because he has become Jesus in the flesh. He's become incarnated. God as a human. God and man. Fully God, fully man. And he accomplished that salvation with a perfect life, a perfect sacrifice, a perfect resurrection, and a perfect ascension. He is the well of our salvation, the one that we go to to draw with joy the well, uh, draw with joy our salvation. Jesus said to the Samaritan lady, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Lord Jesus is the well of our salvation. So I invite you to draw with joy from that well of salvation. Draw from this well so that you might have joy eternal. And we give thanks, which is our next point. We give thanks to the Lord. We give thanks to the Lord. Now, I don't know if you have had this, but you've had moments where you can't help but talk about the things that bring you joy. Maybe something's happening in your life. Maybe something's going on and you just can't help but share with people what's going on. I don't know if you've experienced uh, perhaps being in line at the, at the grocery store, you know, at the checkout, and there's somebody in front of you who just can't help but talk about something in their life. And they f- when the, the, the person at the checkout asks them how they are, you know, in a lightning flash, they find a way to start that conversation and move it towards whatever it is that they want to talk about, whatever's bringing them joy, whatever's exciting in their life. It's a natural thing for humans to want to talk about the things that bring us joy. I think God designed us that way. And the thing is that 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 flows into what God has done for us as his people. It should spring up, it should well up in us so that we tell others, so that we proclaim it, so that we respond to it and we can't help but talk about it. The joy of earthly things that brings us forth into talking about it, how much more should we have a joy of eternal things that lead us to proclaim the Lord's gospel? Back in our passage in verse 4, it says, And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Giving thanks is the proper response to knowing what God has done for his people. Giving thanks is natural and good, And that's why we're doing it here this morning. It's the proper way. It's what uh, Paul says to the Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you're ever wondering, I wonder what the will of God is for my life. I can assure you that it includes rejoicing always. Praying without ceasing. Giving thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So call upon his name, because all who call upon his name will be saved. Make his deeds known. 
We have to make his needs known because we have to disciple the nations. We have to lift up God's name so that people might know who he is and praise him. Who, who can believe on somebody that they haven't heard about? Who can come into their salvation that they know nothing about? We need people to take the message so that the people can hear what God has done and be saved. And we're particularly thanking God for things like that today. That the gospel has been proclaimed in sale in, for these last 10 years. And again, we're not trying to pat ourselves on the back and say, look at us. We're saying because of God's kindness to us, we have been able as a church to proclaim the gospel over these last 10 years. We have been able to see God save people in sale, both adults and children. And as we prayed about and thanked God for before, we've seen people take up that sign of salvation and being baptized and being washed by God. We have seen the spiritual growth of people moving forward in Christ, and we want to thank him for that and seeing his work there. But we also look forward to the future, and we look expectantly at what God would have for his people and how he will bless us in the future. We hope and we pray that God's name might be made holy here in sale and surrounds. But our song continues in Isaiah chapter 12. The song continues praising and admonishing those hearers of that song to proclaim the Lord's salvation. So this is the fourth point. We proclaim the Lord's salvation. This is core mission for God's church, to make disciples of every nation under the authority of Jesus. And it also includes baptizing and instructing people. We are taking people... Um, People, in order for them to take up faith, they need to hear it. Faith comes by hearing. And we collectively, as God's people, need to proclaim this salvation to all the world so that they might hear it. Just like the song puts it in verses 5 and 6. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. We want God's name to be made great in all the earth. We want God's name to be made great here in Sale, in Stephenson Street. We want God's name to be made great in all of Sale, in all of Longford, in all of Stratford, in all of Mafra, in all of Hayfield, and all of Rosedale, all across Gippsland, and Victoria, and Australia, and the world. We want all the world to know. We want all the world to know. We sing his praises not only so that God may be pleased to accept our praise, as if God needed his ego stroked, but it is, it, is, it is proper and right. It is good for us as creatures to give praise to our creator. But it is also so that other people can hear about him. It's also so that we might be reminded and we might grow in thankfulness as we remind ourselves about what God has done for us. But God's people are invited to shout it, as this verse says. Shout it. Shout and sing for joy. I know as, uh, as Aussies, we can be a little bit reserved in the way that we approach the world. And uh, we reserve our shouting perhaps for when we're in, uh, at, a, at a football match or something, when we're in the chorus with other people and we're not going to be noticed. But I wonder if we might be... Uh, well, well served 
by having a greater uh, expression of joy at what God has done for us, to shout it, to not be timid, because we'll be all right if the Lord be on our side. We'll be all right if the Lord, he be our strength and the Lord, he is our strength. So shout it, sing it, sing for joy. You people have been saved because your life has been redeemed from the pit. You've become heirs of eternal life and riches beyond your wildest imaginings are yours. Wealth is wealth for God's people is going to be so great that the stuff that we pave the roads with in the new heavens and the new earth will be gold. It's one of the most valuable stuff. One of the most valuable metals on earth is the kind of thing that you use to build roads out of in heaven. That's the kind of wealth that belongs to God's people. Now I know that's a picture. I don't know that we should actually expect literal roads of gold but that's the picture that's painted for us the common kind of gravelly stuff that we use to build roads in the new heavens and the new earth will be gold that's how common the wealth of god will be for his people you've been made sons of god so celebrate and sing for joy you've been adopted by the father you've been freed from slavery to sin and death your debts and transgressions have been cancelled You've been washed by the blood of Christ and had your robes dipped in the blood of the Lamb so that you might wear pure white raiment. Right now, if you are in Christ, you are seated with God in Christ in the heavenly places. And that is something to praise and thank God for. So lift up your voice and sing. Sing to our Redeemer. The Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. This Holy One of Israel has come into our midst because as John tells us in John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Holy One of Israel has walked among us and dwells here with us now. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So shout and sing for joy. Praise him. Praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing you saints, wonderful love proclaim. Hail him. Hail him, mightier angels in glory. Strength and honour give to his holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will feed his people. In his arms he carries them all day long. O ye saints that live in the light of his presence, praise him, praise him ever in joyful song. We thank God this morning for God's gifts especially his great redemption that he's provided for us. It's of no use us being proud of it, because remember, kids, how I was talking about that gift? Imagine you received the best gift that you ever wanted. There's no use being proud of it, because you didn't give it to yourself. Somebody else gave it to you. And our salvation was a gift of God that was given to us. And we look to him and we honour him, because it all comes from him. We praise the God who has given us his salvation, the one who has turned his anger away from us in Jesus Christ. The Lord has become our salvation and we give thanks to the Lord. We proclaim this salvation to the nations and we shout and we sing for joy. Let me pray. We thank you, O Lord, our God, for the salvation that we have received in Jesus Christ. We thank you that your anger has been turned away and that you have rescued your people from the pit. Lord, we don't just thank you uh, as if uh, we deserved it, as if there was some way that we could have uh, you know, earned it, because, Lord, we were in rebellion against you until you came and saved us. We thank you for that hope that this song that Isaiah gave us, 
that you gave us through Isaiah. So, and we pray, Lord, that we might be able to adopt this kind of attitude, knowing now at this point in history, we can look back and see it fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would stir up in us a greater heart of thankfulness. And we pray, Lord, that our continued ministry, our continued service, our continued faithfulness would include proclaiming your name to the nations so that others may know of your mighty deeds and that more and more people might stream into your heavenly Jerusalem and give you honour and praise for what you have done. We pray, Lord, that you might receive all the glory and all the honour in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.